Let's welcome Pastor Andy Elms. Come on, let's give it up. Bless you, Andy. Thank you, David. Hey, praise God. How's everybody doing? Good to be with you today. And uh, come on, let's just give Jesus another round of applause. He's the, he's the main event. He's the one that's worthy of it all, unfailing, faithful, true. And uh, God's incredible, isn't he, eh? The plans he has for us, the things he does for us. And uh, we've got to always remain grateful and thankful for those things. It's a joy to be back with you. And it has been about four or five years since I was here. How do I know that? Because yesterday driving here, I was waiting to pay my toll. And over dinner last night with pastors uh, David and Faye, I went, what happened to the toll machines? And they went, it's a long time since you've been here. And I was getting ready, that normal part when you cross the bridge to pay to come into Wales. And suddenly I thought, was that like supernatural? Did God transport me? Because I know I used to stop and put my card and get a receipt. I had my wallet out and everything. And it troubled me until I spoke to your pastors. And they went, oh no, that's so last season. That, that's gone. Those days are gone. Well, praise God for that. Listen, I want to bring to you today just greetings from uh, Family Church in Portsmouth. And uh, we're just all big, one big family, aren't we? We've got one, one father. We're, we're all his children, amen. And uh, we're in different parts of the country, all hungry to be and do what God wants us to, uh, to be and do. I want you, if you've got your Bibles with you, to turn them to the book of Hebrews, please. I had some stuff on my heart to share, but this morning when I woke up, I felt God disturbing it. Um, don't you love that when he does that? He was disturbing it. And uh, I really believe he wants me to share something that I believe is a prophetic message for you guys and the moment you're in. And also, I think, a prophetic message for all of us who are hungry to see God move in our generation. And um, there's one word that I'm hearing right now um, over you and over what you're doing. And that's the word, it's time to run. It's time to run. It's time to run. Not just am I hearing the word run, but I'm hearing time to run your best lap yet. Because you can run, but you can run like you're going through the motions. If ever you get onto a racetrack, you're there to run, but your choice is you could just go through the motions like, all right, let me just. But the Bible says we're not to run aimlessly. That when we run, there needs to be purpose to our run. And I just really sense that you're about and in the midst right now of running your best lap ever. Now, when you look at the history of this church, you've got some great laps behind you, right? You can look back and go, oh, man, 19 whatever, that was a great lap. Over year 2001, that was a great lap. Yeah, they were great laps, but God never decreases in what he's doing. He only ever increases. And I believe that just the message he's put on my heart to encourage you guys with today is it's time to run. It's time to run. Now, that's a word for you as a community of people, but also, I believe, a word to us all as individuals. But we've come out of a very unprecedented time, haven't we? But, you know, in between my last visit and now, we've come out of Brexit, had a lockdown, had a pandemic. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff going on. No one could have imagined a lockdown, which for us, we didn't meet 
in our church for around 18 months, we were not gathering like we were used to gathering. And it's amazing that we came through this time called lockdown, which I really believe will be recorded in history. And it was interesting in that time, different people's responses. When we opened the door again and lockdown was officially over, suddenly what we saw, I'm sure you saw the same, was there's some people that weren't there anymore. And we were putting posters around Portsmouth, wanted, missing. <laughs> Has anyone seen these people? <clears throat> we weren't trying to drag them back. We just wanted to check they were okay. Because when we went into lockdown, they were there. And when we came out, they weren't. And we were like, has anyone seen them? They're all right, yeah? Other people went into lockdown and really just didn't change in their walk with God. But other people went into lockdown. And the moment that church gathering as we knew it was removed, they purposed that God was still God And they dug into their walk with God. Some people disappeared. Some people didn't change. But other people really did. And in that moment that was unprecedented, as it was so often called, they found something personal with God that just maybe they wouldn't have found in a different season. Now, we need to understand that lockdown or that season that we've known is over. It's over. We're in a next moment now. Now, some Christians are having trouble taking off their COVID slippers (laughs) and coming out of the COVID cave. And, you know, I'm not saying that to anyone here or anybody watching online offensively today. But there was something about being locked down for so long that made Christians put on COVID slippers where they weren't running, they were sitting. But what God's doing now is he's saying over us, it's not time for COVID slippers. It's time to run. Now, I love the verses that we read about in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, when it speaks of one of the tribes of Israel, the sons of Issachar. And I believe that this is really apt for us today. (coughs) Excuse me. It says the sons of Issachar knew the moment or the season that they were in, but also what they should do. I really believe that that's so key for us today, that like the sons of Issachar, we need to know what season we're in. We need to know what moment we're in. We need to know Not just what God is doing in this new moment, but what God wants us to do in this new moment. Because I really believe that lockdown is over, the door is open, and it's time for us to be coming out of this lockdown experience, running and ready for action. There was a man in the Bible that experienced a lockdown. His name was Joseph. our lockdown lasted a few months. His was about 14 years. Now, when we read the life of Joseph, what an interesting story. A boy who had a dream that God was going to use him as a prime minister later on in life. 
And he probably, like a lot of us, when God gives us a promise or a dream, thought that was going to happen next week. But Joseph goes on this incredible journey that involves being sold out by his brothers, thrown in a pit, sold to a traveling fairground. And eventually he gets to a place where it's looking like what God had spoken to him was coming to a pass. In that moment, he's accused of adultery and then imprisoned, innocent for something he did do. Don't tell me the journeys of God from the moment he speaks to promise fulfilled can't be unusual sometimes. And suddenly we're introduced to Joseph and most of us know the story of Joseph, right? We've read the book. We went to the theatre and watched the show. Let's just check if anyone did. I close my eyes, pulled back the curtains. All right, we're all on the same page. <clears throat> yeah, it's that Joseph I'm talking about. It's funny, if you did that in a room full of people that were just like 20, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. Now, Joseph suddenly finds himself in prison and he's been falsely accused for something that he didn't do. He didn't do it. And he's walking around a prison in lockdown. The door was locked going, I didn't do it. I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. This isn't right. But what we notice about Joseph is when he's in the prison, he's not getting fatter, he's getting fitter. Do you know why? Because when he was in the prison, he knew that he may be in a moment of lockdown, but there was a day coming when the door was going to be opened. And when that door opened, he was going to come out ready for what God wanted to do with his life. I want to say to you, members of the jury, the door is open. We should no longer be in a lockdown way of thinking, but we should be ready for what God wants to do with King's Church now, in this season, in this generation, but also so with our lives. Now I imagine what it was like in that prison cell. 14 years odd is a long time. And I believe in that prison cell there were people sitting in the corner sucking their thumb, gone fetal from what was happening. This is wrong. I shouldn't be here. There were other people walking around angry. But I see Joseph in the corner doing press-ups. I see Joseph in the corner not getting bitter or upset but doing press-ups, saying, I don't know when, but I know it will. That door is going to open. That door is going to open because I have not yet seen the things that God told me I would see with my life. I did nothing to be in this lockdown, so no lockdown can hold me long term. I'm going to get my life ready, and I am going to be ready when the door opens for the purposes of God on my life. I can see him walking around just singing, I don't know, meatloaf or something, you know. <clears throat> let's, let's sanctify meatloaf. Um, like a dove out of heaven, I'll be gone when the morning comes. <laughs> I'm getting ready to rev up and get out. And I see Joseph walking around in that lockdown experience going, this isn't funny and I don't deserve to be here. But I know that door is going to open. And when that door opens and my lockdown finishes, I am coming out like a dove out of heaven when the morning comes. I'm going to be ready for what God wants to do with my life. I believe that this room is filled with a people that carry that spirit. You're not wearing your COVID slippers anymore. 
you've got your Issachar trainers on. Because COVID slippers are so last season. They're so last season. What we all should be wearing now is Issachar trainers that say the door is open. Think about that moment when Joseph had been there walking around looking at that door, doing spiritual press-ups. I'm going to be fitter than I've ever been. You see him operating in his spiritual gifts in the prison, right? He's prophesying to bakers. He's prophesying to cupbearers. He wasn't getting fat and lazy. He was getting ready for what God was going to do with and through his life next. And he's walking around. I don't know if it was a Tuesday morning or a Thursday morning. He's walking around and then suddenly he hears the sound of a door unlocking. Click, click, click. I don't believe he even picked up his belongings, but he stood by the door and he said, I'm ready for this moment. Now we understand that outside of that door, God had been busy teeing up a moment for Joseph. But he'd been forgotten even by the guy that he translated his dream. But God is brilliant at creating moments, isn't he? And you need to know that you are living in a created moment of God right now. Where God has an intention to do something in Newport and in Wales and in the United Kingdom and around these areas. And God is saying, are you ready for what I'm going to do? Now the people that are ready aren't wearing COVID slippers. I'm going to keep saying that because it just annoys people. They're not living in the COVID cave anymore. They're out and they're saying, no, no, come on, that is so last season. I'm ready for what God wants to do. I'm hungry for what God wants to do. All of a sudden, you've got a leader of a nation and he's sitting there and he's had a dream he can't work out. The people that work for him can't help him work out his dream. Then all of a sudden, man who forgot the prophetic in his life, man, sat there and said, I know a man, he's in prison. His name is Joseph. And the king said, send for him quickly. And that's the moment Joseph is in prison and he is click, click, click. And it says, the king or the ruler, Pharaoh, he wants to see you now. And it says, he left the prison, he left his lockdown, washed, grabbed something to eat on the way, came before the leader of the land and said, I can't answer your dream, but my God can. This is what God's saying to you. In that day, by the end of day, he was no longer a lockdown prisoner. He was second in charge in the nation in one day. What a difference a day makes. 24 little hours. At the end of that day, he's second in charge only to the one who's the boss if you've not met me I'm a bit of a jukebox and stuff can come out I'm sorry he was prime minister like God had told him that morning lockdown the end of the day he's leading the nation out of famine now what I want to say to us all is we need to understand that God is speaking to us at this time this is our season to run. This is your season to run. Not just another lap, but what could well be the best or the most important lap that you've ever run as a people. Now, the Bible speaks to us a lot about running, doesn't it? And one of the key verses that we read in the book of Hebrews is Hebrews chapter 12. 
and it speaks in verse 1. Let me read these verses to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us now throw off everything that hinders. King's Church, it's time to throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles. Isn't that interesting that it divides the two? Get the stuff off of you that hinders you. That's like backpacks. You know, that's like backpacks, isn't it? Imagine you ever see the Royal Marines when they're going on a run and they've got like a huge backpack on them. That's what I see when I read these verses. Listen, if you're carrying a backpack of regret or shame or history stuff, it's time to get the backpack off of you. It's time for us to have no spectators sitting in the arena, but every person on the track. Come on, this is the moment we're in. The day of spectating Christianity performance where church is a people's storage unit is over. It's time now for every follower of Jesus Christ to come out of the bleachers, to come out of the seating areas, onto the track and get in their lane. What's the purpose of God for you in this moment as a church, but also as an individual? Not to be sitting and watching anymore. That's so last season. It's time to be on the track. Not only on the track, in your lane. Not wanting to be in someone else's lane, just being full of excitement that you have a lane, but also in a lane without a backpack. You've got to get rid of the stuff that slowed you down. I haven't got time for that now. That's last season, but also it says from a sin that so easily ensnares. Do you know, sin that ensnares is like somebody holding on your leg when you're trying to run. It's like having your leg trapped in a bear trap. God wants you on the track, in your lane, without your backpack, and nothing holding you from running the race he's calling you to run. And then it carries on in Hebrews, just keeps making it so wonderful for us to see. Let us now run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He's now sat down at the right-hand side of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that your heart will not grow weary and you won't lose heart. I love these verses because it says to us, come on, this is our moment to run together now. We've got to run in the lane apportioned for us. We need to be busy with what God wants us to be doing in this time. I believe what God wants us to be busy with in this moment isn't vision, but mission. Not vision, but mission. I believe that all of us as leaders got too distracted by something called vision and we lost the passion that we should have for the mission. The mission doesn't serve the vision. Any vision that we have should serve the mission that God has given us as his people. And I sense that God is bringing us back to being a blueprint church 
a church like the church that's opened its doors in that first century, where the thing that we're passionate about is the thing that Jesus is passionate about. What is Jesus passionate about? The harvest. The harvest. What should we be focusing on? What Jesus is focusing on. Not momentary vision, lighting systems, smoke machines, extras we do in church that matter, but don't matter as much as mission. I'm not saying those things are wrong or evil. I'm saying that they are distractions if we're not giving ourselves to taking the good news of Jesus Christ into the world of other people outside the doors who haven't yet heard the message that Jesus saves. This is the race marked out for us. COVID took away a lot of our distractions. What's left is what matters to Jesus. When we talk about mission, we can't ignore the commission. But Jesus still says to us today, in the 21st century, what he said to the church in the first century. Here's the mission I've got for you. Go into all the world and make disciples. Then in the book of Mark, go into every place and communicate the gospel to others. I believe that the thing that we should be focusing on now is soul winning, disciple making, helping people to be spirit filled and spirit-led. Anything that doesn't work within those three key things, we need to question, should we be doing them? The greatest need that there is for our country today is for people to discover a relationship with Jesus Christ. But for this to happen, (coughs) we're going to need to, I think, reconsider what evangelism or soul winning looks like because I was raised very much with an unspoken rule that when we speak about evangelism or soul winning what we mean is a few people in church every now and then bringing a friend to church to hear the pastor or a guest minister speak about Jesus, then hopefully at the end they may put their hand up. If that model of evangelism has worked so well, why hasn't it worked so well? Because actually, when we read about the church in the book of Acts, they had a different model of evangelism. Now, I'm not against buildings or stage evangelism, not against anything that's effective. But what I believe is that we're in a moment where the Holy Spirit is trying to shift our understanding of soul winning from being something that happens on a stage with a person called an evangelist to something that's in the lifestyle of every follower of Jesus Christ. 
Apparently, according to Google, there's about 7.2 billion people alive at any moment now on the earth. Also, Google says that there's 2.2 billion people that say they're Christians. Well, we've got a problem, haven't we? If there were 2.2 billion Christians in a population of 7.2 people, we wouldn't even be here anymore. We'd be in heaven. So what's the problem? We've got too many silent saints. We've got too many Christians that come to church and keep their relationship with Jesus Christ a secret. We've got too many people that see their walk with the Lord as something that happens on a Sunday morning and not something that's a relationship 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, whose responsibility is it? Good question. Very good question. Well, it's the pastor's responsibility to get people saved. Well, where's that in the Bible? Because when I read in the book of Acts, it says, and Jesus gave these gifts, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, for the equipping of the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry. If you un- under unpack that word work of ministry, it means to do business. And so the book of Acts reveals that the purpose of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the pastor isn't to get everybody saved and discipled, but it's to equip God's people to get everybody saved and discipled. Which means we need to now turn our eyes to the harvest outside the door. But maybe you say, it's a big commission, Andy, isn't it? I've only been saved a couple of months. How does someone like me go into all the world and preach the gospel? Well, simple. We de-spook that commission and make it doable. What if we forget about you going to Asia, Africa, the whole of Europe at the moment? Just leave those things for now. And say, what if Jesus was saying in that great commission to you personally today, go into your world, the world that's unique and bespoke to you. Today, this week, see the world that's unique to you as the world that God has called you to be a witness and represent Jesus into others. It's not about representing religion. We've had too many people do that. Evangelism isn't hard when it's relational. It's like we were out for dinner last night, Pastor David and Faye and myself, and about 20 minutes into the dinner, I'm talking about Gina and my five children. I didn't have to sit there and go, oh God, it's been 20 minutes, I better tell them about Gina. Oh, she naturally, with photos normally accompanying, finds herself into every conversation I have with anyone. Why? Because who she is to me. You see, evangelism isn't hard or difficult. I've been training people in evangelism. We do these things called um, soul winner boot camps. Because during COVID, the evangelist woke up in me. But it was different. The evangelist that went into COVID was the greatest showman evangelist, you know, where I got on a big stage, loads of people, oh, 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 boom, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you're waiting for. 
I still love preaching in front of people, but what awoke in me, let's get everyone in the church winning souls. Let's, get, let's equip everyone in the church to win souls, to feel confident sharing Jesus with their friends and family. Now, I wrote a book called Soul Winner, and it's, it's become uh, very, very popular. <clears throat> and I brought about 40 copies of this book to sell this morning to you. The problem was when I woke up this morning, because this book, Soul Winner, it says everything you need to know to lead another person to Jesus. I've put everything I know about personal evangelism in this book. The problem when I woke up this morning, I was praying and God said, I don't want you to sell your book. I want you to give it to anyone that's serious about winning people to the Lord. I said, okay, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. But I've always walked in obedience to God. So if you're here today and you say, I want to lead my friends and family to the Lord. I just don't know how. I want to be a soul winner outside the walls of the church. I just need to, someone to teach me how to do it. If that's you, I want to buy you a book today. I want to bless you with a book. So we'll take no payments for these books. And I'm going to ask, just don't be cheeky, all right? If you're not going to read it, don't take it. But if you genuinely want to know how easy it is to bring your friends and family to Jesus, let me bless you with a book. One per family. I don't want a family of six sitting around over dinner today going, did we all get a book? No, that means somebody else didn't. All right, a couple of ground rules, all right? I'm going to give this one to you because you're awesome, all right? Ready for this? Here it comes. Woo! Sorry, we need to call an ambulance. So we need to be running the race that's all about soul winning, making disciples, seeing people touched by the power of God. That's That's our role as a church, amen? We're not wearing COVID slippers, we're wearing... We're wearing um, uh, Issachar trainers, all right? A lot going through my mind at the moment. And we're purposing to stare now at what Jesus is staring at. I love those verses we read about when you John 4 and Luke 10, where it speaks about a moment where Jesus is looking at the harvest. And he says to those with him, come on, the fields are ripe. The fields are so ripe, but the laborers are few. Don't say four months. Oh, the fields are ripe. Don't, don't procrastinate. The fields are ripe. And I really believe that that's a now moment. That outside these doors, with everything that's happening with the economy, happened in COVID, happened in lockdown, the passing and the changing of a monarchy, Everything that people placed security and stability in is being shaken. Yet also in the book of Hebrews, it says, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken to reveal that which can't be shaken, which is the king and his kingdom. We have got a message that gives people hope. We have got a message that will save their eternity. We have got a message that will bring heaven to earth in their daily life right here and right now. We've got to end the silence. 
we've got to end the silence. Now, this is a call or, or a race for us as a church, but it's also a race for us as individuals, isn't it? But as a church, God's got a race he wants us to run. But we've also got to understand that you have a personal relationship with God and God is calling you today, no matter how long you've been saved, to run your best lap yet. Now, like me, you may look behind you and have a number of different laps. <clears throat> I look back behind my life and I'm, I'm kind of, I look at a lap in 2022 and go, oh, I was good. That was a good lap. Then I look at another one three years later and I go, I don't even want to talk about that lap. That year that I spent walking with the Lord. We've all got laps that are good, bad and downright ugly. But none of those laps matter. The one that matters now is what you are going to do with Jesus now. How you're going to run a race for Jesus and his kingdom now. Now, what should fuel our running? Again, I think the modern church got confused when it started to give incentives with position. If you do this, we'll call you that. And if you do that, God will do this. Recently, the Lord revealed something to my heart that's the fuel of why we run. Can I share it with you? He revealed or reminded me of something that I'd completely <clears throat> forgotten about and I hadn't heard preached since I was about 12. Would you like to know what it was? A winner's crown. Just turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I was at a funeral and it was a tribute service actually <clears throat> to someone who'd become a dear friend. His name was uh, Pastor Colin Urquhart. I don't know if you, anyone knew of Pastor Colin. Oh, that man was truly a legend in our time and in our land. He became a very dear friend of mine, Pastor Colin. We, we had a good friendship. And they asked me to come, the family did, to his tribute service. And uh, they really paid tribute to Colin. But if you knew Pastor Colin, he would have hated every moment of it. Because any time you were near Pastor Colin, it was impossible to say he did a good job or congratulate you. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. So I said to his son afterwards, I said, you did a great job. How do I know that Colin would have hated it? But you gave him the honor that he truly deserved. And then they read this verse. <clears throat> and the thought of the winner's crown popped in my heart. And I suddenly realized why I will run my best race, why I will not quit when I get tired, why I will not give up when others are giving up, why I will not wear COVID slippers, why I will not stay in a lockdown way of thinking, why I will not stay away from church and God's people, why I will look for every opportunity to serve, why I will look for every opportunity to give, why when I'm knocked down I'll get back up, 
why I will keep going when others quit. It's not for anything that this world can give me. It's because there's a crown in heaven that one day Jesus Christ is going to give to every person that didn't not run. To every person that ran their race. Their best race for God. There's a crown in heaven that Jesus is going to give to you. And they started to read this verse. Speaking of Paul in his last moments, his last days. Reflecting on the life he'd lived for God. He said, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure is close. But you see, I fought the good fight. (laughs) I finished my race. I've kept the faith. When others quit, I didn't. When others stopped serving God, I didn't. I fought the fight. I finished my race. I kept the faith. Now, there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, a winner's crown, which the Lord, the righteous judge himself, will award to me on that day. Listen to this next bit. Not only me, but also everyone who lived their life with the longing of his appearing. Are you living your life with the longing of the appearing of your true king? On that day, will he say to you, well done good and faithful servant. What do I need to do to hear those words? You don't do anything to be saved. That's a gift. Salvation is the produce of believing in Jesus. Well, everybody gets salvation. Everybody gets a robe of righteousness. Correct, correct. Because those things are not based on what we do. But not everybody gets a winner's crown. The winner's crown is laid up for those who took off their COVID slippers, left their COVID cave, and said, I'm going to serve if others aren't serving. I'm going to see what my church needs because it belongs to Jesus. Not being a tender, but I'm going to get my sleeves rolled up. I'm going to get busy with the Great Commission. I'm going to be helping people I lead to Christ to understand what they just did. I've got to be busy. But the whole season of lockdown took away the things that were distracting us and left us with the things that really matter. There's a race for us to run together. But we all have a race. But we run ourselves. I remember being in that funeral. And if you knew Pastor Colin, you could picture him in that moment after he'd left this life. He'd spent 50 or 60 years serving God. Sold out. One moment he closes his eyes in this life. To everything he'd known, every struggle he'd gone through, every persecution he'd faced for being belonging to Jesus. 
Imagine that next moment when he opens his eyes in heaven. And there's Jesus Christ holding a crown, saying, thank you for running your race. Here's your reward. I don't know how else to say this to you, to motivate you, to live full on for Jesus like you never have before. There's a crown, man! There's a crown! There's a crown! That Jesus wants to give you when you step into the courts of heaven. Let the thought and the knowledge of that crown be the reason you serve when others won't. You serve in departments others don't want to. You see, if you only do the things you prefer to do or you're comfortable with, it's because you've not yet seen the crown. You're still waiting for incentives and rewards in this life. There's a crown there. There's a crown. It's laid up for every person that hungers his appearing. You know, when the Bible speaks of the word crown, there's two words that it uses. It uses the word diadem, which is, that's his crown. That's his crown. That's the crown of the king. But when we read about the winner's crown, as it's mentioned here and it's mentioned in the book of Revelations, concerning the church in Smyrna, etc. That word is Stephanus. And when you translate it, it means the martyr's crown. As in, it belongs to those who laid down their lives for Christ. Not just physically, but they lived in a realm of your will be done in my life, Lord. But also it means the victor's crown. Those who ran their race. And finished it for God. Okay, so what am I saying today? Let's know what season we're in. But the season that we all came through, it was very brutal. But some turn lockdown or whatever they want to call it. It's over. The door is open. And behold, God is doing a new thing. The next thing. The now thing. And he's calling all of his followers out of spectatorship on to the track. He's turning our heads from ourselves to others. He's calling us to carry the message of his gospel. To every person in the world our life represents. Well, I don't know how. I gave you a book, didn't I? Being a soul winner is easy. It's just about two things. Have a go in your heart. When you leave today, just go, I've got to go in my heart. God... I'm kind of terrified, but I'm going to go and I'm just going to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, like you said, is going to anoint me in my Jerusalem to tell others about you. But I can't preach. Then don't. Communicate. 
In fact, if you get a box and stand on it in the high street like a crazy man, you'll probably make people go into H&M and out of Primark. They'll, they'll be scared of you. <laughs> Why don't you just go into the world that God has positioned you in with all your friends and family that if they don't know Jesus are going to a lost eternity. It's not a fairy tale. They are going to go to a lost eternity unless they hear about Jesus and receive him. It's not a fairy tale. God doesn't say, I was only kidding when he's sitting on. It will happen, but it doesn't have to. And then communicate. Just in the way that you communicate. Tell people who Jesus is. This week, as many as you can. Just tell people who he is. I remember growing up, we used to sing a song. It didn't make sense. It does to me now. And we used to always sit in church, and a lot of you will remember it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I used to sit there as a cheeky kid at the back and go, so. Used to annoy the pastor. (coughs) Recently, I read it again, and it made sense. When you read it in the NIV, it says, let the redeemed, those who have been taken out of the hand of the enemy themselves, tell their story. All God wants you to do is have a go in your heart and be ready to share your story. Well, what if they ask me a question? I don't know. Be honest, I haven't got a clue. But let me tell you about what he's done in my life. The power of our testimony. And my final lesson really would be clear in what you say. I was, I was, in, I was in America a couple of weeks ago, or about a month ago. I was in that big shop they call Walmart. This is a funny story to kind of bring it into an ending. And I'm standing in Walmart, and you see, when you go and you have an intention to share Christ with others, the Holy Spirit prompts you. You walk past somebody, and, and all of a sudden you feel the Holy Spirit say, <coughs> excuse me, have, have, have you told them about my salvation yet? See, if you have no go in your heart and no intention of responding to the Great Commission, you'll have a calloused heart that can't be prompted by the Spirit. But when you're allowing Jesus to use your life to enable you to run your best lap yet, I was standing in Walmart in a very, very not good part of America in New York. It was a very rough Walmart. And I'm walking up to the counter and the lady behind the counter, I looked at her badge and her name was Pamela. And I said, how are you doing, Pamela? She said, not so bad. And she smiled. And I said, why are you so happy, Pamela? She'd obviously had a very rough life. I could see she'd had a rough life. She was weathered. She said, because I choose not to be miserable. I said, that's a great answer. And then I leant in over the area that separates the cashier from the customer. And I looked at her and I said, can I ask you a question? She said, absolutely. I said, are you a God lover? And she looked at me really weird. I mean, really strange. And I'm like, aye, aye, what's going on here? So I leant in even closer. This is just a few weeks ago. And I said, I'm going to ask you that again. Are you a God lover? And again, she looked almost horrified. And I said, we've got a problem here, Pamela. What are you hearing when I ask you if you're a God lover? She says, twice you've asked me and looked me in the eyes and said, are you a good lover? (laughs) 
I said, no, Pamela. I'm married, Pamela. I've got five children, Pamela. I'm a pastor. And I grabbed the local pastor and said, tell Pamela. And then I was able to tell her about Jesus, thank the Lord. So the lesson is, have a heart now for God to use you in the world he's given you. Be ready to communicate how you communicate. But make sure you communicate clearly. (laughs) Are you okay today? You guys have had so many laps. Great laps. There's people here that have been on so many of the laps that went before. Others that have just joined this year. What you've done is you've joined a God race. But what God's saying over you now, I believe, kings and over David and Faye, this is your best lap yet. This is your best lap yet. Forget former things. Don't live in the past. This is your best lap yet. King's Church, this is your best lap yet. This is the lap not to miss. Sometimes you may hear stories of when Pastor Ray was leading. and, and you, may, you, you may, oh, I missed that lap. No, no, don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. This lap is the one not to miss. Because this is the lap where Jesus brings a move of the Spirit, not in the building, but out there in the streets. Where suddenly we move from stage evangelism to every believer saying, I'm a soul winner. And I'm going to start with my friends and family. I'm going to start with my work colleagues. I'm going to start with the person I meet at the gate at the school. But I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to use my life to bring all of my friends and family into the kingdom. Can I pray for you today? Has this come over okay? It was, I just felt it was kind of stirring in me. and I came with a truck full and it's empty, so that must mean that it's, I've given you everything I'm meant to. Even given you the book, I can't believe it. I've never given away books like that. I mean, is, uh, surely that was the Lord. Uh, surely that was the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. No one's asking you if you've given your life to religion, if you were born in a Christian nation. I'm asking you, do you know that Jesus Christ wants a relationship with you that will change your life and the one to come? Do you want an assurance that beyond death is everything better than you ever dreamed? Do you want to know that you're forgiven anything that you've ever done? Would you like to experience a brand new life like you just got born again? And the good news is that's really simple. We place faith in the one who saves. Would you pray with me this morning, church? Would you pray with me as we pray this together? Come on, let's pray out loud. Thank you, Father, 
that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for my sin and to take the old man I was to the cross. That I could become a new creation born of the Spirit alive to God. I receive you, Jesus, and all that you've done for me on the cross. I receive the gift of salvation. And I thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Hey, maybe you prayed that for the first time today. If you did, I want you to talk to one of the leaders, one of the hosting team, Pastor Dave, or tell you what your next step is but if you prayed that from your heart today either because you never knew God or you're coming back to God God heard your prayer and in this moment everything has changed I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you if you've just prayed that prayer that the Holy Spirit would fill you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet now let me pray for you as I just close Father, I pray for this congregation, this community of people. Lord, I would take, that you would take the words that I've spoken and the ones that are not of you, that they would just fall to the ground. But the words that are of you, your heart, Jesus, that you would stir the heart of the listener. Father, I pray for a supernatural mobilization of soul winners in this place. I pray that a heart for the lost would drop into the heart of every person that loves you. I pray that they would know the boldness of the Holy Spirit to share Jesus with others this week and then walk with the people that respond and help them to know you more. I pray, my God, that you would light a fire, a fresh fire upon this place and upon these people. That, Father, this would be their best lap yet, not despising the ones that have gone, but no longer living in previous laps. They would, they would take their place on the track, get rid of backpacks, Free themselves from things that ensnare. Look at a finishing line and run. Father, I pray that a revelation of the winner's crown that awaits them in heaven would be the thing that fuels and drives them to do the things they said they would never do. Be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. <coughs>
I know every single one of us in this room want deeply what Andy spoke about. We want it. We're scared, nervous, uncertain sometimes as to how to speak about this wonderful forgiveness, this wonderful gift. that's been given to us. But we're going to run. We're going to run. Some of us, probably most of us, have been running with that heavy old backpack. But God's words come to us this morning through His servant that He sent here. Tell you, we're going to find in the days and the months to come, whether we're here this, this morning physically or whether we're watching online, that backpack is going to be left behind. Me running without it. And that sin that so easily entangles us, snares us up, slows us down, hinders us. We're not going to be entangled in that anymore because of the life the power of Jesus Christ is going to course through our souls it's not your spirit it's your soul that gets tangled up into all of that stuff things that you watch on TV it's going to be like in the days that, w that are ahead of us it's going to be like what that that hymnist once said, sung, the things of the earth grew strangely dim. All of the things that attract people, they're going to grow strangely dim to you. There's going to be no appeal. You're going to find the things of this world growing strangely dim. You're going to be caught up with heavenly things, caught up <laughs> tell you now the presence of God, the presence of God is going to fill the church across this land. His presence, there's going to be so much joy, so much joy in the house of God, so much joy in the heart of God's people. No more weight, no more entanglement. And like Andy said, that crown, that crown that you are going to readily throw and cast at his feet is going to be before you. Holy Spirit, would you come now and inhabit this place?
Let your people sense you. Let your people know your clothing, clothing their soul, clothing their mind, clothing their lives. You will go out with joy. You will be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills will break forth, will break open before you as you run, as you run in your lane, as you run your best lap yet. Holy Ghost, do it right now. We just wait here a little minute. Holy Ghost. Fill your people. Fresh fire. Fresh zeal. Even at home right now. Heavy hearted people. Just wash it. Holy Ghost, do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to sing in a moment. What an amazing, amazing word. I tell you now. I know, I know that's the longing. I tell you, Andy just touched. He touched into the core of our heart, stirred us up. And there's going to, you know, you're going to look into people's eyes this week, the months and the weeks to come. You're going to see their pain. You're going to see the ache in their heart. You're going to be moved with compassion. You won't be able to help yourself but tell of the goodness of God to the people that need good news. We all know we're in such a painful, desperate time in our world, in our land. But I'm telling you now, we're a city on a hill exuding a light and a life in God to the nations and the people about us. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank Pastor Andy this morning. And listen, don't forget. Don't forget to pick up your free book. But let's, um, let's just pick up one per family, like, like Pastor Andy said. And um, if you don't get a book, listen, we will order some from, from Pastor Andy. And um, we'll make sure that you, you get a book. But let's go with that go. After we've sung, let's go with that go this morning. And just, just be open. Just say, Holy Spirit, I will speak. I will do it. Whatever you put before me, I will do. And let's be expectant. Amen? Let's be expectant to speak the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell people that he's risen from the dead. He's alive and he's ready to save. Amen.